0: Jesus never promised his followers an easy path.
1: Persecution is part of the Christian faith. Whether we like it or not, persecution will come.
0: In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. When the police showed up, like, wow, God's got
2: something amazing in store.
0: Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world.
2: They took me to the local police station, put me in the cell down in the basement, and there was this, this guy down there, a Kurdish atheist. We wake up the next morning, he looks at me and says, David, you won't believe it, I just had a dream, and in the dream, God said he sent you here for me. Join host Todd Nettletons. So we hear their inspiring stories
3: and learn how we can help.
0: Whatever he asks you to do is not a sacrifice. It's a privilege, it's joy.
3: Welcome to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. This week and next week are special editions of the program as we approach the end of 2017. We're going to look back on some of the best moments of the year, and it has been a full year of ministry, of hearing about believers in hostile and restricted nations, of calling us to pray for our brothers and sisters— One of the most moving stories this year on Voice of the Martyrs Radio had to be from my coworker, Peter Jacek. He's a VOM worker who was arrested in Sudan while on a trip there to encourage believers. Last February, he was released from prison in Sudan, and I had the opportunity to go and visit him in Prague, Czech Republic, eight days after his release and capture that story as it was fresh on his heart and on his mind You know, one of the things Peter shared was that when he was first put in prison and the heavy door of his cell swung shut, he realized that he had seen that door before. Two years before he was arrested, he had had a dream. And in that dream, he saw himself inside a prison. And this uh, dream disturbed me so
4: much that I started to ask myself, what could be the reason that I would show up in prison and be arrested and imprisoned? And I was uh, kind of uh, asking myself, Do I do all my IRS report correctly? Do I uh, declare everything what I receive? Uh, you know, it, w- what can be the other reason that I would uh, end up in prison? And I did not find any reason actually for that. And uh, later on, I forgot about this dream. But in the moment, When I was put into this cell, into the security prison, and I heard the click of the door, uh, I immediately remembered this dream. And uh, the door that I saw looked exactly like the one I saw in the dream on May 19, 2013. When I remembered the dream, I also remembered that my daughter was graduating At the medical school. So, to be honest with you, at that time I did not even think about that detail of a dream. It it came only later than when I realized that when my daughter uh, really graduated uh, at the medical school in uh, uh, June uh, 2000. uh, 16. I remembered that. And when uh, her graduation came closer, I realized that uh, if this dream uh, should be fulfilled, then it means that I was supposed to stay in prison until she graduates and even maybe after that
3: uh, time. So when you saw that door and when it it immediately came to your mind, wait a minute, I've seen this door before. Did you feel like Thank you, Lord, that you warned me, or did you feel like, uh-oh, <laughs> <this> is, <laughs> now I, I had this dream that I was going to prison, and now here I am. How did you process that?
4: I didn't think about the, that uh, in that uh, details. I remember that I have seen this door and somehow it was a kind of confirmation uh, that uh, the Lord had warned me about uh, the coming uh, situation and maybe he was preparing me uh, for this. But uh, there were many other things in this cell, especially you know the way how the cell was crowded, Uh, and uh, I was meeting new people in the cell. So uh, basically I did not have uh, that much time to think about the details of that dream, but uh, I just uh, remembered that and saw it uh, like uh, a kind of very interesting warning from the Lord or alert uh, from the Lord uh, for this new situation that happened in my life.
3: That's Peter Yasek telling us how the Lord had prepared him for the amazing experience that he had in a Sudanese prison. Peter was placed in a cell with ISIS fighters. He underwent persecution from fellow prisoners, as well as the Sudanese government. To hear that entire dramatic story of how God worked in that situation, go to the archives at vomradio.net and just search for Peter Yassik or search for Sudan to listen to the entire story from Peter. We're reviewing the top Voice of the Martyrs Radio moments of 2017, and we talked with several people who had been in prison and seen God at work, even inside a prison cell. David Bile was arrested in Turkey, and at the moment of his arrest, he says he was excited to see how God would use the situation for good. How could he feel excitement when the police are knocking on the door to arrest him, an event that the rest of us would look at and think, wow, this is a bad thing. This is really—things are really going wrong. How could he feel excited at that moment? It's has something to do with uh, forming habits.
2: I mean, if you do a bad thing enough times, it just sort of comes to habit. And you just do it without thinking. But when you see God do miracles again and again and again in these sort of situations— it becomes, yeah, habitual. I When the police showed up, like, wow, God's got something amazing in store for these upcoming <laughs> days. That was my first reaction. And sure enough, he did.
3: Tell us what the amazing things well, were. Well,
2: so they take me. This is last April. They took me to the local police station, put me in the cell down in the basement. And there was this, this guy down there, a Kurdish atheist, who I found out later had been— living in the red light district of Istanbul for the last 15 years or so, doing every sort of filth and uh, crime imaginable, except killing. He, you know, he thought that was horrible, especially in the name of religion. And I'll call him Sam. He lied about who he was. And so for three days, the police have been trying to figure out who he really was and getting very frustrated in the process, by the way. They finally figured out who he was. And then, of course, his huge criminal record showed up, and he was off to 10-plus years in prison. Wow. And he learns this just a few minutes before I show up. And so, you know, like the Ethiopian eunuch where Philip just happened to show up as he's reading (laughs) Isaiah 53. I didn't have any problem convincing Sam that he was a sinner and that he needed (laughs) salvation. But I, of course, I didn't know that when I just first showed up. He sees me, he looks at me and says, who are you? Why are you here? Without thinking, it just came out. I said, I'm here because God sent me here for you. And of course, now that I know what had happened to him before, it has all the more significance. But he said, well, I don't believe in a God I can't see. And I said, well, God is more than able to reveal himself to you. And I had my uh, Turkish New Testament with me, which they let me take with me, by the way. And I opened it up after talking with a while for him. And I showed it to him. He sort of just gruffly. What is this? And he he opens it up and uh, his eyes land on the verse, uh, the story of the woman caught in adultery. His first verse he reads is, did not Moses command that all those caught in adultery should be stoned. And, you know, he had just been telling me how horrible it is to kill in the name of religion. I thought, oh, boy, this is not a good verse to start with. (laughs) But uh, I just said, uh, just keep reading. Anyways, he reads on farther. He gets to the bit where Jesus said, he who has no sin, let him throw the first stone. Now, you remember, he himself is a serial adulterer and much worse and he reads that, and I wish you could have been there in the cell to see his reaction. He just stopped, and he goes, I like this Jesus guy. <laughs> and, and it was just great. Now, he's not the reader type. I mean, this guy is not a bookworm. But now his interest is piqued. Right. So he, 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 he starts reading, and he stops talking to me. This other guy has been brought into this cell. He sits across from me. I start talking with him. Same thing. We start talking about Jesus. About 10 minutes later, I say to him, well, you know, Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And right as I said that, Sam, who had been sitting next to me here, he stops and he says, yeah, what he said is true. I just read it right now. And the three of us, we looked at each other like, whoa, this is weird. I mean, what's the chances of him reading that verse at the moment, the very moment I say it? And we all sort of realized, God is God's here. here and Sam's atheism was starting to crumble and it uh, really took a hit the next morning because we slept on the in the cell together there he was on the bench across from me we wake up the next morning he looks at me he says David you won't believe it. I just had a dream and in the dream God said he sent you here for me <laughs> <laughs> so you ask why do I like going to
3: jail there's your answer because, <laughs> because God sent you there yeah that's David Bile explaining why he was excited to go to prison in Turkey. Again, go to VOMradio.net and search for Turkey, search for David, and uh, listen to that entire interview. Sometimes we hear stories like that one, and we think gospel workers in these hostile countries are, are super Christians or superhumans. Like, you know, I could never reach that level of spirituality, but they are just real people just like you and me, but they're filled with God's power. When Dr. Andrew was arrested, here's how he felt. I was terrified. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) I was terrified, like waiting in
1: a dark room for four or five hours before meeting with someone and you have no idea what's going on. Every single time I was terrified. You know, it's, it's a super scary thing
3: to go through dr andrew is a gospel worker in the middle east and to protect his security we're not going to get more specific than that and he's very honest to say that not every believer in jesus will face persecution in the same way but what matters is that each of us knows god personally and we choose to trust him in every situation
1: memorizing the bible is not the thing that like people say i want to memorize the bible so i can go and like live through persecution the only thing will carry you through is to know who god is and that god is worthy to do that persecution is part of the christian faith whether we like it or not persecution will come philippians 1 tells us that it was given to us not only to believe in him but also to suffer being afraid is not the problem the problem is letting this fear control you rather than
3: the reality of who god is control you so four or five hours in a dark room at the police station what what do you do during that four or five hours are you just praying are you trying to remember scripture or are you freaking out
1: okay So remembering after the first hour or two, you'll forget all the scriptures you remember, (laughs) brother. (laughs) So the only thing I just like reflect on on the the things that I have been doing in the past few months. What are the things that they might raise and how can I answer them wisely? And I just pray that God will give me a word to to protect the people that they serve with me and also to witness for his glory and, and his gospel.
3: That's Dr. Andrew telling us how God supports and gives wisdom to his people, even in prison, even while undergoing intense questioning. We're reviewing the top Voice of the Martyrs radio programs of 2017, and another guest experienced God's grace while in prison, this time through God's people. David Chestakov was imprisoned for his faith in Uzbekistan. Voice of the Martyrs helped organize a letter-writing campaign on his behalf through PrisonerAlert.com. And when the new guards began working at the prison, they, they shifted the guards every year. When the new guards began, those letters had an important impact on the way that they viewed David.
5: In our prison, they replace a police officer, the guards, every year in order to prevent uh, corruption. So uh, new guards, new officers who uh, came to the duty, they usually beat up those prisoners who imprisoned on for extremism like myself. They beat them first, then they introduced themselves. So, and all the time where uh, this replacement of the officers took place, they called me and at the same time a post office you know, a worker approached with a, a sack full with these letters. And he usually started to scream through the, all this headquarters, this Shostakov, we got tired of him, we got tired of these uh, letters, and everybody get out of their rooms just to see what he's uh, screaming about and what why he's upset. And he explained that this Chestakov receiving like 100 letters a day and everybody get tired of these letters and so on and so forth. And th- those new officers, new guards were impressed by the fact that this person received such uh, attention all over the world. And they were really polite to me and they asked the questions whether I knew all those people uh, uh, all around the world.
3: Just think about that for a second. People just like you took time to go on PrisonerAlert.com and write a letter to David Shustakov in an Uzbek prison. They went to PrisonerAlert.com. They used the tools there to speak up on behalf of David, and God used those actions by hundreds of people to help David when he could have felt alone and discouraged. You know, you can still write to one of your brothers and sisters that are imprisoned for their faith— Go to PrisonerAlert.com and write that letter. Just click on Write a Letter. It'll walk you through the process. It's very simple. You can print it out off your printer. You'll have instructions on how to mail it. Again, that website is PrisonerAlert.com. My name is Todd Nettleton. We're reviewing some of the top moments from Voice of the Martyrs Radio in 2017. One of the highlights for me was talking to Lianna Sinquanta when she went to India to spread the gospel she didn't really fit the missionary stereotype. She was young, she was a single woman, and she ministered differently than most of the missionaries who were there using completely different methodology. I asked her how the Lord called this really serious horse trainer and sent her all the way across the world to India.
0: We're all called to have two mission fields. We should all be engaged in reaching our local community, however God leads us to do that. Something that we can do ourselves as a witness for Jesus Christ. But we're also all called to help bring Hope, healing the gospel to those very dark places in the world that don't have the gospel or to the Christians out there who are suffering persecution. But the Lord showed me very specifically where he wanted me to go and he will show might show you also very specifically strategically how and where to go. By the way, I called my dad within three days. I called my dad and I said, Dad, sell the horse facility. I'm not coming back to train horses.
3: <laughs> and what did your dad say? Well, it was
0: hard because he wasn't a believer. But oh, do you wow. know? That was the time when he realized Jesus was real.
3: Oh
2: wow. If
0: I would give up everything for him. And my dad came around to to confess Jesus as Lord of his life before he passed away many Praise years the later. Lord. And so I said, God, where in India do you want me to go? And he gave me a dream, three nights in a row, the same dream of the demons ruling over the nation from the northern region. Now, most folks, when they go on mission trips to India, they go to the south. Well, there's lots of Christians in the South. There's schools for the children. There's the, there's the economy is better in the South. There's less poverty. But that's where they get connected, and so they go. But God sovereignly guided me to the most persecuted, the most needy part of that nation— and then he showed me to go and live with the native people and just be one of them. When I, first, when I got on the plane, 1996, my dad was crying. I had written a will for my parents because I was so convinced I was going to die in wow. India. It's all about how deeply are you in love with Jesus Christ. And to that extent, whatever he asks you to do is not a sacrifice. It's a privilege. It's joy.
3: That's Leanna Sinquanta, a missionary to India. She's been telling us how the Lord called her away from a successful career training horses to join His call, His work in the nation of India. You're listening to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we've been listening to some of the best moments from VOM Radio throughout 2017. We're going to do some more of that next week, so I know you'll want to be back with us next week here on VOM Radio to hear that, hear more of the exciting conversations that we've had. You know, if if some of these conversations have struck a chord with you and you'd like to hear the whole conversation, you can go to vomradio.net. You can hear every episode of Voice of the Martyrs Radio at vomradio.net. We'll also link you there to our podcast. Uh, It's available on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and wherever you find podcasts. And uh, you can link to those episodes on the podcast as well. So visit us, vomradio.net. As we close out this week, I wanted to share a story that that just came into our office. One of my coworkers was in the Middle East, and uh, he met with a pastor there who is working uh, among Syrian refugees. Uh, Syrian refugees have flooded this pastor's country. Uh, his church has reached out to them, and he shared this story with my coworker. About thirty of those refugees became Christians. And decided to go back to Syria. They they just decided their their life in the refugee camp was very difficult. Uh, they thought things would be better for them, better than a refugee camp. Going back to Syria, so they went back across the border, back into Syria. They they set up, kind of reestablished themselves there. And uh, the pastor heard from them. You know, kind of kept in contact with them, and, and they asked for some Bibles. Uh, you know we we'd really like some bibles we we need some bibles we can send a couple of our guys out if if you can meet them and give them bibles and so the pastor called us at VOM and, and said hey they need some bibles we said oh absolutely uh, we'll cover the bibles just go ahead and get them and deliver them to them and so the pastor went on the assigned day to the place where they had agreed to meet and two men and a donkey came walking into this kind of clearing, and the pastor gave them a box of Bibles. Uh, The box of Bibles had about 50. Now, remember, there had been 30 of these believers that had gone back to Syria, so the pastor brought 50 Bibles, and uh, the the men were thankful. They were excited, but they said, you know, we were hoping that each of the believers could have their own copy of the Bible, and uh, we have 200 believers now so uh, the the church was growing inside Syria, and the pastor was, I, I think, maybe even a little embarrassed. He's like, oh, oh, really? I, You know, I thought 50 would be plenty. But what he told him, he said, you know, hey, if you can come back in two weeks, I'll go, I'll get more Bibles, and I'll bring 200 Bibles. And so they went, the two men and their donkey turned around, walked back across the border into Syria, took the 50 Bibles that they had, The pastor went home, he called VOM again, and we said, Absolutely, if they need 200 Bibles, go ahead and get them 200 Bibles. And uh, so everything was set up for him to meet them once again and uh, receive these Bibles, give these Bibles to them, deliver them back into Syria. A couple days before that meeting was supposed to take place, the pastor got a text message "Uh, Hey, uh, things, situation here is a little tight on the ground. We can't come. Uh, but, but go ahead and come and bring the Bibles. We're going to send the donkey. And I, you know, hearing this story, I kind of wonder if the pastor was kind of texted back, uh, you know, LOL, haha, <laughs> good joke. But no, they were serious. And so the pastor went on the appointed day. He got to the place where he was to meet these men the first time. And now just the donkey, as he got there, the donkey walks coming across the border from Syria into the pastor's country, walks right up to him. The pastor loads boxes of Bibles onto this donkey, turns the donkey around and says, go. And the donkey starts walking back towards the border of Syria. A Couple days later, the pastor gets a text message from these believers inside Syria. The donkey is here. The Bibles are here. Praise the Lord, thank you. sharing with us thank you for sharing God's Word with us now the distance this was not like a couple hundred yards across the border the distance that this donkey went almost 30 miles friends isn't that an amazing Christmas miracle story this donkey walked almost 30 miles out of Syria across a border into a neighboring country met up with this pastor at the same place he had met them before and then turned around and walked back across the border into Syria, almost 30 miles, and delivered those Bibles unmolested, unharmed, back to the believers inside Syria. We serve an amazing, miracle-working God. And as we celebrate Christmas this week, I hope that story encourages you. The baby that was born in Bethlehem, the miracle of the angel singing to the shepherds, those miracles are still happening. God is still doing amazing things. And brothers and sisters in that land where Jesus was born in the Middle East, they are coming to Christ in in droves, in numbers that have never been seen before. So the, the Jesus that was born on Christmas is still doing miracles in the Middle East. And I wanted to share that story and wish you and your family a Merry Christmas. Praise the Lord. He is still at work in the Middle East. I hope you'll be back with us next week to hear more about what God is doing as we look back on a great year, 2017, and and recall some of the great conversations we've had right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.